0: Hello and welcome to another episode of 20 Minute Playbook, where each week we sit down with an elite performer from iconic founders to world-renowned investors and best-selling authors to dive in everything from their daily routine to their favorite books, tools, superpowers and more, all in less than 20 minutes. I'm Daniel Scribner and on the show today I sit down with Robbie Bent, founder of Othership, which is building a network of physical locations that combines saunas and ice baths with guided group classes, as well as an app to do breathwork anytime, anywhere. You can find the full show notes for this episode at outlieracademy.com 85, including links to everything we cover. For more from Robbie, you can follow him on Twitter at RobbieBent1. You can also learn more about Othership at Othership.us or by following Othership underscore US on Twitter. With that, it's time for 20-Minute Playbook with Robbie Bent of Othership. Robbie, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on 20-Minute Playbook. Yeah, excited. This will be faster paced, so we'll go ahead and just dive in. And the first question we ask everyone is just to share something you've been fascinated about recently. And this can be as weird, as not weird as you want. What is something that you've been thinking about that you can't stop thinking about?
1: I think about how people connect, like how do you build trust with somebody quickly? There was an amazing episode on the Huberman Lab podcast where he just talks about connection. And I actually spoke with a a scientist who's been testing this in mice from Stanford, Rob Malenka. And- There's a number of pieces of research that combine like behavioral research and how this works in animals. And some things we've learned is that when you change physiological state together, you build trust faster. And so they did these tests where people listened to the same story and found they had the same nervous system response with heart rate and emotional state. And as a result, when you go through a shared physiological experience, you're more likely to trust someone. So that leads me to believe that an experience like skydiving or sporting or fitness or bathhouse like we're building is like the first step to creating physiological trust. And then the second is specific questions. And so really trying to dive into what those questions are to create community connection in the shortest amount of time.
0: On the question front, you know, there's so many books like 50 Book of Questions, I don't know, that feel superficial. We'll be fascinated to learn what sorts of questions you learn because I feel like one of the challenges is there's questions that feel overtly like it's something like, what is your favorite color? Where I'm like, I don't really know if that gets us any closer together. I don't know if you have any thoughts on what questions actually elicit connection versus just asking questions in general, which seems to maybe do the opposite. <laughs>
1: I think you need trust and to build trust, you need, and again, this isn't like research backed and to build trust, you need empathy. And then to do empathy, it's better if, you know, you need two-way connection. And so what we really like to do is have some, everybody share something they're struggling with. And when you share, when you're vulnerable, it proves you, you're trustworthy. And then on top of that, we like to share compliments and gratitude towards you. So you feel seen. And so you'll share something and then somebody will share back to you to make you feel seen. So you both are vulnerable, you feel seen, and you do that in a group. And that's sort of what we found as the best way to create connection quickly, but it's really new for us. So we're experimenting kind of every day. It's
0: like questions with skin in the game. <laughs> I like it. One of the things we always ask is if you can share your superpowers. And what we're really trying to ask there is, you know, I think all of us have gifts. What, when you're going through your day, do you feel like you're especially good at? And then how do you utilize those skills? How do you harness those strengths?
1: I like more than anyone I've ever met can tap into excitement for what I'm doing. And so if I sat with you for five minutes and told you about this new like Cirque du Soleil style breathwork concert we're building, you'd be like, I fucking have to do this immediately. And I can harness so much and generate so much internal energy about what I'm excited about. And I've been able to do it since I was a little kid. It's like when I get excited about something, I get so, I can feel it's like a fire, is like lightning bolt is burning in my body and it just explodes. And so I'm really good- At talking to people and getting them excited about like our company, what we're building, what I'm excited about. And so I just, I love, like I can almost explode with energy.
0: It's fascinating. I've never had someone give that particular kind of superpower, but it definitely is true from my experiences, just talking with you. On the flip side of that, what do you struggle with and how have you improved or worked around those things over time? And I know it's potentially a deep question. With a lot
1: no, of I mean, I mean, there's two, and so like self love and like needing validation. So even now, like, kind of achieved my financial goals. I have this like awesome company, my product. I'm like, I love my product so much, and I'm still like, oh, it needs to be more. So let's maybe call that enough. And it stems from not enough self love. And working this for like seven or eight years, I have an amazing family. Like my wife is incredible, and so it's just this idea of enough. Okay, you know, and because enough is a driver and this is like a, i think it's in ryan holiday's book as one of the chapters right and it's like you know you talk to billionaires and they're like oh it's still not it's it just will never be enough and as a result of that i'm not balanced because i'm like pushing so hard and so i've been struggling with like enough and then as a result balance like just you know having time to myself
0: yeah On the habits and routine side, you know, and you could be somebody that has a immaculate routine, you follow every single day, you can be someone that doesn't have any routine at all. Where are you on that spectrum and what sorts of habits or routines do you try to instill somewhat regularly, whether that's a daily, weekly, or, you know, otherwise?
1: I've been into this stuff for 10 years and I've been like four hour morning routine, like carrying around a bag of broccoli in my pocket so that like I'm eating my exact macros. And then I've been like, you know, crushing pizzas and just working 12 hours a day, like smoking a nicotine vape and a coffee. And so I've I've been like both. And I think the real answer is like somewhere in between and having self-love when you don't. And so for me, some type of like meditation or space, at least 10 minutes a day, some breathwork after to start my day, some breathwork after when I'm done work to kind of move from sympathetic to parasympathetic, like to rest and digest nervous system state where I can like relax, good sleep hygiene, completely dark room at a reasonable time with no TV at night during the weekdays. As long as I have that, and then I, I do, you know, three, four sauna ice baths a week and then probably like two to three exercise weight lifts. that is like plenty for me now. And so that's kind of the 80-20 of like even if I'm busy, I can commit to 15 to 20 minutes of like some type of mindfulness as I mentioned with breath work and then a couple workouts and then my social time is usually at the bathhouse so it's healthy
0: and no more broccoli in your pocket I'm guessing no I'll, I'll eat
1: <laughs> ID eat. I honestly uh, haven't been super strict about my diet for the last kind of year and a half and so I might try to change that this year but it been more like oh, if I'm gonna go for pasta I'm gonna go for a pasta
0: yeah on the kind of fitness side, you talked about a lot of things are whether it's diet, whether it's, you know, alternating between doing the sauna and ice bath and exercising. How do you generally think about your approach to diet, exercise, and sleep? And then if you can just talk a little bit about how those things have evolved over time. And obviously, you've spent a lot of time, I think, on the exercise, ice bath, sauna piece. And I'd be curious just for your take on does ice bath sauna replace exercise? Is it a compliment to exercise? How do you think about those two things?
1: So a compliment and why I like it is because I can do it at like nine, 10 PM as a social thing. So if I'm looking to meet somebody instead of on zoom, I'm like, Hey, come let's do a sauna together and and hang out. And so it's really a social piece. It doesn't replace exercise at all. Although it is a memetic where your your heart rate increases and improves circulation circulatory system. But I think like exercise is essential. And so for me, I'm 37. I'm not trying to win any strength awards. I don't want to get injured. And so two things I do is just compound weightlifting. So squats, deadlifts, stuff like that, not super heavy weight at this time. And then I will row in the mornings a couple days a week. So I have a rower, which is super easy. I'll just do 2000 meters. takes like, you know, whatever, eight minutes or something like that. And between that, that's pretty good. And then I love to stretch. So I have another app called Romwad, which I actually like to use. We were watching a lot of TV last year to decompress. And so we've unplugged our TV and our nighttime, my wife and I, we throw on a ROMWAD, we stretch for 20 minutes, we share about our day. And that's kind of how we decompress finish off with that breath work and then go to bed. So I think with like three, four stretches a week, two to three, like weight lifts, and then a bit of rowing in the morning. And that's perfect.
0: Yeah. It's a ton of varied activity. This is a new question, and so we'll see how it goes. But one of the questions I wanted to ask was around a recent purchase. So all of us have things that we're trying and have little things we might buy. that might be the silliest thing in the world, but that we really enjoy. Is there something that you've purchased recently? And this can be $100 or less. This can just be like, no, I bought this rower. It's somewhat expensive, but I love it. What is something that you've spent money on that you just absolutely love that you would recommend to others?
1: so many things. So I had no money. I was like fully broke for a really long time. And I haven't had a car in like 12 years. I also wear the same like outfit every day, like legit, like a baggy hoodie sweater and like track pants, like every single day, like don't leave my house or work remote. I don't care. I'm like a bum. And so I go, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get some new clothes. And so I end up going to the mall. I'm kind of looking at new clothes. I look over and I see like the Tesla store. I'm like, I wonder what this is about. And so, you know, I go and I test drive the Tesla and funny i went to the mall to get some new clothes and i'm coming home which is a new car and so i bought the model y it was my first splurge since i you know did well in crypto and i just like i never spend money on myself i never like it's so fucking cool it's like you're in the future you know like the navigation the seats the way it drives the regenerative braking everything about it i love so if you are looking and it, it's pretty affordable also and so If you're looking for a new car, that's something that brought me a lot of joy after not having a car for 10 years.
0: Yeah. Do you have a favorite feature or like a favorite thing in the car?
1: I love, and this is going to be so silly to people, but like the main reason I wanted it was because I kept getting groceries and like it was really annoying to get them in like an Uber and stuff. And so personally, I love the convenience of just... That's why I got it. But what I love the most about it, it just opens automatically. And so like you come up to the car, door opens you. And I don't know if other cars maybe do this now since I owned a car, they definitely didn't. So you don't even have a key. It's just your phone. And then you walk away, it locks automatically. And like that to me is just so sick. Like you don't have to pull anything out. You just get in, you press a button just on and off. And it's like, whoa, like that... And it sounds super simple, simple, (laughs) but it just gives me joy every single time I I open it and go in it.
0: Yeah, it's always those incredibly small details, but I love that one's really just considerate and wonderful. For favorite books, we talked obviously in your long form interview around Breath by James Naster, which I would recommend to people here because it's related to Othership, the company that you're working on now, the Breathwork app that people can download in the app stores. Are there other books that you either find yourself rereading or thinking about or recommend to other people? that have just had a big impact on you?
1: So this book particularly, it's not one where it's like, oh, something like crazy, you know, like um, that one that came to mind is uh, anything by Ryan Holiday. There's a specific one he wrote recently that's just amazing. And it's like stories of Tiger Woods. And I, do you know which one I'm talking I, about? I know
0: The Obstacle is The Way. I know. I don't know if it's that one. Yeah.
1: It's not that. It's the newest one. So anyway, we can, we can find it. Put we'll link to it in notes. the show notes. But so that's <laughs> like a book where it's like, oh, I'm reading it and I'm growing. And, and so, but that's not what I'm going to recommend. I'm going to recommend a fun book, but it's fun. It's a trilogy. It's called Nexus by Ramez Nam. And it's a book set about 40 years in the future. And you can take this, it's almost like a drug. And it's these nanobots that connect to your brain stem. And as a result, you can communicate brain to brain. Imagine Neuralink in the future is something you drink, and it creates a combination of a psychedelic experience, but it paints a world where. What would it be like if a mother and child could communicate via thoughts? And so there's all these there's a scene in it where there's a hundred monks meditating and it's detailing what it would be like to link with a hundred calm minds. And so because I'm so obsessed with like loneliness, connection, this idea that imagine sitting and like a hundred people come in that are lonely and you can almost like reach out and like tell their minds it's going to be okay. So this idea of like mind to mind communication and the way they describe it, it's also an action thriller like the government doesn't want it to happen of course. And so it's super exciting and the guy was a futurist at Microsoft so it's all built on technology that like could exist someday. So it's just awesome weekend read where you're like, whoa, like, and and you'll be happy about, it's not like boring, you know? So it's, it's a, it's a really good one.
0: I'm going to download that as soon as we finish. I love, there's one I've been listening to recently on audiobook that's AI 2041, which is, you know, different. It's basically, it's similar in that it's all stuff that's practical that's either in application today or is headed there. And it basically is 10 little vignettes of like how AI could show up in the future. But I love those project forward. And I don't know, just think about crazy trippy, experiences that could be every day, say 20 years, 30 years, 40 years from now. On the success, personal growth side, we always start on the kind of failure side. And the question I always like to ask for a bunch of reasons is if you can share a favorite failure and what we're trying to get at there, I think is something that it's a project, obviously that you were incredibly excited about. It didn't work out for whatever reason. And that ended up being a positive thing. It either moved you in a better place. You took away a really valuable experience and it can be anything can be professional, not professional does that ring any bells for you? And is there a favorite failure that comes to mind that you can share?
1: Yeah, so we talked about it on the podcast, right? And it's like, it's like a really big one. It was like my first company and there's just like a ton of lessons. And so just to get at like, what is one of the lessons? It's that failure itself is not tenable. And what I mean by that is you may fail, but you won't continue to fail. And so when you fail at one startup, like you're building up network skills, experience, all these different things that are going to be helpful. And the entire time, why the startup is scary, it's like, I'm going to fail. Once you've failed once, you realize that failure is done. Two weeks later, you can have a new idea. And then there's hope again. And so there's this juxtaposition between fear of failure and no hope, and then instantly having hope. And that's a really interesting thing with startups. Is like, they're not meant to be your whole life. And so when people think about failure, the failure itself is usually not as scary as the fear of failure. And so it's just like, get it done, fail, and then find hope again. And so that was a lesson is that failure is not tenable. It doesn't last.
0: It's fascinating. On the flip side of that coin, when you think about success, what does success mean to you now? And how has that definition changed over time?
1: So I, today, like, Honestly, I watched this video I shared with you which we can put in the show notes and it's 3 years and like we created this concept from scratch like you know we combined elements of bathhouse and therapy and psychology and music and experience design and fitness and all these different things that I love, you know you mentioned it was like a Wim Hof and Soho House and berries come together and we made this, like we created it, you know, it's novel, it's unique. We made, we scripted everything. And so I've been working on it for three years through COVID. People are like, you're insane. You can never open a physical business. Like now's not the time. And we stuck with it because we were passionate. And we opened on Sunday, like our dream, like we'd been to 70 bathhouses. We'd done thousands and thousands of like underground sessions in a garage. And so we opened the space and it's like, Perfect. Like we literally, every founder on the team wrote out a ten-page, like fifteen-star Airbnb Brian Chesky-style experience, and we made exactly that. And so to videotape like the people in the video, the inclusivity, the accessibility of the space, all in the environment, seeing this thing come to life with like the music, and I just watched it and I was almost in tears. Like this is so fucking cool. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like I want to be in this space. I can't believe. I made this from nothing with my team and I just felt proud, excited, like how many people were gonna help, how cool. Like it's like you would watch this about another brand when you're young and be like, wow. And now I'm watching it about my own thing and it just felt like it's today. Like that's my day of like, wow, I feel successful today. Like this moment just before I talk to you, like I'm just so excited about this about this video. And we'll
0: link to it in the show notes, but this is specifically the flagship location in Toronto, I believe, right? Which is the first in real IRL location for other ship.
1: Yeah, I could share one other moment quickly if we we got time. I don't know, know, I was like, I had this startup that failed, which I mentioned, and I was in Toronto and I was just like kind of wanted to be in tech, but like I I started in finance. I had no engineering background. I would read these books about Andreessen Horowitz and Y Combinator and Lean Startup and Product Hunt. And was like, oh, fuck, like, you know, how do I get there? And I just felt like a failure. And like, I would have these nightmares of being a failure. And fast forward now this week, we launched our app, which we built on Product Hunt and one product of the day. And I had like Ryan Hoover, personal message and Twitter about like, this is the calm for breathwork. And that feeling like my body was like, almost shaking with just joy of like, man, you did it. Like you're not a fit. Like even though I don't feel that way anymore, it was just like such an icing on the cake. Like I'm six years sober and I just felt, I looked, we had a thousand upvotes for like a wellness product. It's crazy. So I looked at that and we just felt so like gratitude of like, fuck yeah, man. Like, you know, no matter what happens, like you did it. Canadian guy, you got this product of the day. Like it, it felt, it was really After three cool.
0: years of work on a concept yeah, that's yeah, easy yeah. to, you know, kind of diss or look down on, or I don't know what it means, you know. It's fascinating. And we will link to that product hunt as well too. And again, I highly recommend people download and try the Othership app. I think Calm for Breathing is a perfect way to think about it. Last question, maybe a similar answer. What are you most grateful for in this phase of your life?
1: I'm most grateful for my wife. My wife is everything. When I came back from psychedelics, I seen a lot of people fall back into their old habits and because of her, like she taught me about the sauna. It was like our first date was like our second date was like at a bathhouse and then I proposed to her in the sauna and like a ice ball the ring was inside and she was giving me a massage and it melted into her hand and so we built this business together. It's like a husband, wife and best friend business, and so she's everything to me and like the only reason like I feel you know I'm a manic person I get these like lows and nervous and I just know that like no matter what this person loves me and that's like by far the most important thing in my my life
0: it's a beautiful note to end on so for anyone listening highly encourage you to listen to the long form interview that we did that's around an hour where we dive into what Robbie is building at Othership it's basically half IRL, bathhouse meets sauna, half digital. You can do it anywhere, basically breathwork to take yourself up, kind of get yourself ramped up, get yourself down, and then be able to explore different emotional states. You can download Othership in any app store. You can also visit othership.us and then you can follow Robbie on Twitter at Robbie Bent. Thank you so much for the time, Robbie.
1: I appreciate it. Yeah, me too. That was super fun.
0: Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to everything we covered, as well as the show notes and transcript for this episode, at outlieracademy.com slash 85. For more from Robbie Bent, listen to episode 82, where Robbie joins me on Infinite Games to go deep on Othership. From the incredible origin story, to the lessons he's learned building the company, to why they're maniacally focused on building community, and why they're leaning so heavily into a network of physical locations that combine saunas, ice baths, and group classes. You can find more incredible interviews with the founders of Superhuman, Levels, Rally, Common Stock, and Primal Kitchen, as well as best-selling authors and the world's smartest investors at outlieracademy.com. You can now also find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash outlieracademy. On our channel, you'll find all of the full-length interviews as well as short clips from every episode, including this one. From our entire team at Outlier Academy, we hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope to see you right here next week on 20-Minute Playbook.